welcome to Theology Thursday, an ecumenical space for students to discuss matters of faith and theology. I'm your host, Connor Grubbs. I am your co-host, Ryan Mock. And I'm your co-co-host, Johnny Grubbs. Nice. Sweet. We're We're back. back. Yeah, we're, we're back, back in the house. Yeah, season five, and uh, and we broke all of our promises to you. We're not in our studio. Connor broke the promises. Yeah. Okay, hold on, hold on. <laughs> let's be I didn't clear. make any promises. Okay, okay. Let's be fair. But, we could have been in there today. It's not like, but we just um, we're actually going to set up the studio after recording the podcast. Scheduling conflicts. It's fine. It's going to be great. You're going to see. You will get to see over the course of season five the progress because it's going to start like kind of lame, but certainly better than this, and then like progressively just get better and better. And uh, you know, if you really believe in what we're doing and 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 you want to help, there's always Patreon. Uh, we have coming very soon Theology Thursday mugs. What? That's the next uh, merch drop. So. Um, if you're like tier three, like VIP access member, which is $12, I think. Yeah, it's $12 a month. Uh, not only do you get access to bonus content and other podcasts that we do, but you also quarterly, you get uh, new merch shipped straight to your door. Might be a shirt, might be a mug. We have lots of things coming down the pipeline, but we're excited. It's season five. Uh, we don't really have like a special theme this season. See, you know, we we tried a couple different things the first three seasons. We sort of experimented, and season four we came back to form, which was just taking listener questions. And I'm pretty sure we're gonna stick to that. I think I think that's that's where we thrive. Yeah, you know, we tried that's, some interviews. That's our groove. We tried like a little systematic theology thing, and all that was fun. But um, I think Theology Thursdays at its best when we are just taking listener questions. Speaking of listeners, we're just hanging out today, okay? So we're not actually, we don't have a specific question today. We don't have a specific subpoint. Sort of a main topic is uh, SBC21, um, which we uh, watched together. We watched the live stream that just took place in Nashville a couple we weeks ago. Went. We almost went. We almost went. But we didn't. No. Uh, we ended up staying and in the area. it's actually good that we didn't go. Yeah, no, it yeah, worked out. It worked but we out. watched pretty much the whole thing. Yep. And um, so Southern SBC, Southern Baptist Convention, one of the biggest um, denominations, Protestant denominations. Um, they're not technically a denomination. But they, but they are. Sure, if you want to think of them as a denomination, sure, go ahead. Just wanted to clarify that point. <laughs> Yeah, I mean they they basically are. Uh they Sure, if you want to think of them like a denomination, sure, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> no, you go no, ahead. No, no, no. What's what's why why do you have such a problem with me saying that? I just wanted to make sure we're clear. Next generation Connor. airhead. <laughs> Next gen airhead. <laughs> no, here's the thing cuz most Southern Baptist who attend Southern Baptist churches See it as a denomination, sure. and they treat it as such. They could see it as that. <laughs> it's useless. I know. Could you could you offer some actual like? <laughs> it's it's a convention. This it is a convention. As JD yeah. Greer himself said, the Southern Baptist Convention only exists for two days a year. Right, but 
it, it exists to to uh, dictate the operations of a network of entities that is operating year round. Yeah, the, the thing to keep in mind about the Southern the Southern Baptist Convention is that um, it's very decentralized. Uh, as opposed to more traditional understandings of denomination, denominations are are they they might be decentralized, but um, usually there's much more oversight into individual churches and a, a more of a structure, like like in Presbyterianism, in, in a Presbyterian form of government, you have you have the individual churches, and then you have the presbytery which is the, the combo of all the elders, and they meet, and they're held to certain standards and whatnot. And then they have the, the, uh, the Senate or the General Assembly, and, uh, but that, they, are, they are always held to that standard, and it, it's different. It's different. The, the structure is far more political and... Uh, and American. And American. It, it, it functions it's, more it's, like an American it's business. It's kind of like, uh, you know, the governors have a lot of more power in the states, you know, so the pastors have more power within their churches yeah. to change things, and the convention kind of oversees that. It's, it's a little bit more like that. However, that was part of the tension of the SBC, yeah. I think, was people were like, mm, I, people are operating with a little bit too much autonomy. Right, because Southern Baptists do ultimately operate as a denomination in the sense that they have a faith and message that their churches are expected to adhere to and there is accountability in the sense that they have removed churches from their fellowship from their network um if they don't adhere to you know some of the core tenets of the baptist faith and message now granted within that like they do emphasize the autonomy of each local church and there is wiggle room on a lot of issues within the baptist faith and message um they're not you know real strict on soteriology or, or different things like that. Like there's a lot of Calvinists and there's a lot of Arminians and they're all, you know, you know, they can be Southern Baptist, even if they differ on that. Um, uh, one of the, one of the big debates, uh, well, let's set it up like this. If the Southern Baptist convention, 2021 annual meeting was a story, there was four subplots going on. Sure. There was, I don't know how we want to talk about this, but the first one was the sexual abuse allegations and the the call for an investigation. The second was uh, what do we do about CRT. The third was what do we what do we say about abortion. And the fourth one was uh, who do we elect as president. And all of those came together and intertwined. They're all connected at at this meeting. Yeah, particularly the president part. It really did get like it was. It was cinematic. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. <laughs> so, so here, why does this matter? Denomination, convention, whatever you want to call it. Okay, sure you could call it that. It, it 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 does represent um, the largest portion of Protestants. Yeah. Um, in America. So it's important. So to see it what they do. it it does, and and typically when people look at and and a lot of a lot of people of other traditions are actually pretty upset about this. Is like how come when the SBC has their meeting like CNN and Fox and everybody's covering it, but like nobody covers what we do. Wait, the like, PCA just had their general assembly. I think it's still going on actually. Yeah, and that's anybody not being talked about. Attention to PCA. No, and so some people are kind of upset about it, understandably, but um, uh. Frankly, um, if you look at the history of the Southern Baptist Convention, they've kind of positioned themselves to be in the spotlight um, by aligning with politics, you know, uh, uh, very often. Um, and uh, it was just really interesting to see. So it does matter because it does affect a lot of outsiders' perspective on Christianity. And for us, I think there was a little bit of a personal element element to it because we grew up in Southern Baptist Church. 
I also think too that just historically speaking, now, especially in modernity, and the reality is, the SBC is kind of a microcosm of what evangelicalism largely is today. Yeah, would you agree with that statement? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so it kind of is. It's like putting your your hand on a wrist to get a pulse on like what it was going on in evangelicalism, right? Yeah, no, it's really interesting. For me, I, I've been outside of the Southern Baptists uh, for about half a year now. And so, which has been weird because I started at a Baptist school and grew up going to a Baptist church. I think I was more deeply entrenched in that culture than either of you guys were, even though we all kind of grew up in it. Um, and uh, I was wanting to go, you know, plant churches with uh, Southern Baptist Convention, all this stuff. And after my activity on Twitter during SPC 21, I made sure that I will never work at a Southern Baptist <laughs> church again. Um, I don't know. You can get away with a lot and still work at a Southern Baptist uh, church. Okay. That's <laughs> big oof. Big oof. Um, oh. um, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's been interesting because for me, like uh, me leaving was pretty abrupt and there was a lot of my identity that was kind of going in that direction. And now I'm getting to kind of see and I'm glad that I'm out of it. If anything, that whole, you know, couple of days gave me relief that, oh, I'm it's good that I'm not a part of that anymore. Uh, however, there's a lot of amazing Southern Baptist leaders that I have a lot of respect for. Um, J.D. Greer being one of them. Uh, he did I, an excellent job moderating that whole thing. Yeah, and he gave a fire sermon that that during the convention yeah it was he he did a great job uh the little uh the the oh what 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 was what what's the official title of the parliamentarian uh he he was great he's standing in the background making sure everything goes where it needs to go and um he just had a smile on his face the whole time even though it was like an angry smile you could tell like he was about if if he was dying inside he he, he was dying and then then there was was the little elf man and I don't know if that's politically correct. It's probably not. Like, there was this short guy with like no. This he little genuinely, voice. But, but yeah, no. He looked like a character from Elf, from the movie Elf, in like a good he, way. Like yes, yeah, he looked. He, 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 no, 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 no. Like when I say, I, I mean, he looks like Papa Elf, like that actor. Like I'm not okay, even. There you go. That's a little bit better. But he also has a voice, and yeah. So he would come it was up. Cute. It was very cute. And then he would come up, and he would be like. Let's, um, you know, he would always always explaining the ballots, right? Because yeah. people yeah. were ripping off the ballots yeah. the wrong way. And he was like, and he was getting sure. very frustrated. Yeah, <laughs> sure. um, he was the hero. Um, you had AC guy who came up to make a motion that they turn the AC on. There was a lot of, you know, you know, moments of, of, of levity in there. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so we can kind of uh, talk a little bit about uh, these things. So there is uh, in 20, I believe 2018, maybe 2019, Houston Chronicle published. Um, some findings on uh, abuse, uh, sexual abuse within Southern Baptist churches. Um, and J.D. Greer and some people moved that they were going to, they started addressing some of these issues. Um, and it's kind of been an ongoing thing. But this was sort of a reckoning because a lot of victims came um, to this meeting um, demanding for justice. Because the thing is, the the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention um Basically, their solution to this Houston Chronicle article was, we are going to uh, hire a firm to investigate us. But they're basically having the investigation done. Like, they're the ones who, who get the report. They're the one. It's You can't hold yourself accountable to something. Like, that doesn't really work. 
Yeah. Um, it's very convenient, though. Um, it's extremely convenient, but it's also wrong. So um, <laughs> people people showed up. They spoke up. Um, uh, Pastor Grant Gaines came and made a motion that they have a third party um, come in and investigate and give the findings to an entity uh, committee that's formed outside of the executive committee. Um, and it, it passed. Um, and It passed, and but that arc was a little bit cinematic too yeah. because they got it in and then of course they they tabled it for the following meeting and Grant Gaines making sure he was near a microphone at the right time to get the people to vote to not table it yeah which, and deal with it yeah. then and there which... I, I just wonder how surprised the executive committee was about that or if they kind of knew that they were going to get overruled but I don't I think I think good old Ronnie Floyd thought he was going to be able to push it off a little longer. Well, then and then he got up on the last day when they were gonna they were talking about it, and he got up and and he got to the mic and responded. He's like, "This is a good thing. This needs to pass." Yeah, which was interesting. Yeah, yeah. that was interesting. That was an interesting moment. Yeah, it was. So, um, obviously, that was that was a victory. We're we're, we're glad that that happened. Um, it doesn't mean that, you know, all of that's resolved, but I do think that was a good step. Yeah. Um, one of the most interesting discussions to me, uh, I think in evangelicalism period right now, we did two episodes on it, and we can talk about it briefly, is CRT. Yeah, so everybody wanted to have a say about CRT, and there there's a few kind of, like, key moments. There's a um, guy with a sticker that said, stop CRT. There's multiple guys with stickers. With yeah. And t-shirts. Stop, stop CRT, yep. And they there were multiple moments where messengers were allowed to come to the mic and um, and speak about it and whatnot. Uh, one guy in particular, Tom Askell, uh, he uh, motioned to uh, rescind. Is that how you say it? Rescind? Uh, rescind uh, Resolution 9 of the 2019... Yeah, the 2019 uh, Southern Baptist uh, meeting, uh, which basically Resolution 9 uh, was a resolution that the Southern Baptist Convention came up with in 2019 that said CRT, it's, it could be used as a tool, uh, but we understand that the Bible is our ultimate authority. So Tom, good old, good old Tommy Tom, uh, he, uh, he wanted to basically revoke that um, that resolution and what had ended up happening was uh, it was ruled out of order because you can't you can't rescind a previous resolution because a resolution is basically the viewpoint of that the opinions and viewpoints of that particular convention of that time that it was made um, which means you can't you can't rescind any resolution that was in the past. The only thing you could do is make new resolutions. So that that was shot uh, out of the water. There was a few other moments. Um, there was a resolution that did pass. I think it was Resolution 2 uh, that was a statement on racial reconciliation. Uh, and um, it basically said that we should be for racial reconciliation, but we oppose any ideology that... Um, that is antithetical to the gospel. And it didn't name CRT. And some people were upset some that it did Some people were very mad about that, and they were kept they kept proposing amendments to this resolution, like, we need to add CRT. Uh, and then there was a moment, uh, 
that uh, somebody somebody got, I think James Merritt, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yep. He got up and said, basically, um, this is dumb that we're arguing about this. Yeah. We, we stand for the gospel. Uh, we don't need to name CRT. Uh, it was it was a very good. It was that was that was a powerful moment. Yeah, I think and I think too it was it was really good is like because we know that CRT in certain forms can be antithetical to the gospel, during, depending on how you interpret it. The conclusions it, of CRT yeah, so there you go. can be antithetical so, to the gospel, but it doesn't have to be right. You know what I mean? And so that's why it wouldn't make sense to name it because. Right. Uh, and, yeah, and that's why I don't understand why people are so hyper focused on CRT. It really is bizarre to me because this is such a debate in the church right now and people are going back and forth and and here's the thing. Here here's what you communicate to most people of color. You're so woke. When you when you say we we don't CRT is evil, it's wrong. What you're what you're communicating at a base level is that you don't think that systemic racism is a reality. And some people are doing that intentionally because you don't think that systemic racism is reality. But I want people who acknowledge that systemic racism is real to recognize that that is one of the core tenets of CRT. And when you say that you don't believe in CRT, that's what you're communicating to a lot of people. By, by the way, you don't have to believe CRT to be able to affirm systemic racism. Right. Um, but CRT is definitely helpful. In yeah, understanding that concept. Right, and and CRT is a tool. I, we've said it before, but critical race theory, it's a tool, and it is not in and of itself wrong. Some of the conclusions that it can draw might be problematic, um, but that's true with any tool or or any you know sort of process of thinking. So, yeah. Yeah. anyway, that was interesting. Yeah. So uh, so oh yeah, and then almost all of the SBC uh, seminary presidents did speak out against CRT by name. They did when it was their turn to talk. Well, um, and so I, that was fun. I think the reason specifically the seminary leaders are talking about it, and well, I know the reason, is because it's, you know, now schools are talking about teaching it, and it's coming the education system. So yeah. people want to make sure that Southern Baptist schools aren't going to teach yeah. it. And they made it very clear that they were not. Um, so I, that's exactly what I expected. A nice, well-rounded education there in the old seminaries, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, the the so we want to move on to the next subplot. Sure. Okay. So the next one was about abortion, and there was a um, a resolution that was proposed. Oh yeah, Bill Askell, who I imagine is related to Tom Askell, <laughs> uh, just a guess there, uh, proposed a resolution to abolish abortion, and here's the. Uh, Here's the, the, the key here. The resolution was for the immediate abolition of abortion without compromise. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a very important distinction to make between uh, from other forms of being pro-life. Uh, because what they're advocating for is that we must end abortion. We must end it now obviously, um, but we're not going to compromise on any issue. So that means we will not accept any step forward that reduces abortion but does not abolish abortion. So this could be known as the incremental approach. We take incremental steps to uh, to end abortion. Uh, that's what somebody like Bill Askell would deny like we that to him that would be compromise and even says it in the resolution yeah we reject an incremental approach to ending abortion 
which by the way is in my opinion antithetical to being truly like in a practical living it out way pro-life it, it it doesn't work because it, it's it's essentially like walking past a homeless man who's being stabbed and you're saying well because i can't save all the homeless men right this very second i'm just gonna let him die <laughs> yeah it doesn't like, work <laughs> like incremental would include things like new life solutions which is local here like that. We've interviewed Saul before, yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it, we, we want to save every life that we can. An incremental <laughs> approach is a woman sitting down or, or somebody doing ultrasound and giving a woman an option her deciding, oh, I am going to choose life, okay? Well, the next person that comes in the room doesn't, but you're trying. You know, you're yeah. saving lives as you go. Well, the, if, if that's not acceptable, then you're saying, yeah, I mean, all those, all those kids are going to die. Yeah. So how can you say you're pro-life at that point? Right. No, it's really, at that point, it is strictly a political agenda, and you're not actually thinking about human life. Yeah. And uh, it, so, uh, thankfully, that did not get passed. So what did get passed was a, an amendment was a proposed to uh, this resolution, and, and the amendment by this one messenger was basically to add one word to the amendment, to the resolution, where it said, we will not rely, we, we, will, we, will, we reject an incremental approach to end an abortion, he added the word alone. So it was, it was something like that. So is we we reject an incremental approach to abortion alone. So right. so that so basically to say, if we can abolish it immediately, then great. But, but that doesn't mean we're going to stop all our right, other efforts. We're willing to, to use words, yeah. incremental approaches. So that amendment did pass, uh, and then the vote for the resolution uh, did also pass. So essentially, I think that one word totally destroyed. Bill Askell's original intention. intention with the resolutions. I, I don't think he was happy. I think it was interesting kind of digging your heels on that because of all the things to discuss at SBC 21, everybody knows that Southern Baptists are pro-life. There's right, no exactly. question about that. Like <laughs> yeah. you, There is not a pro-choice Southern Baptist. There's no place for that. You didn't need any other resolutions or anything to solidify that. So I thought that was just kind of like, we're. it feels like we're wasting time on this. Um I don't have to go soon-ish. Yeah. I've got four minutes or so, but I just want to get this in there while well, I still can. Was it Resolution 7 or 9 or the, what was the one that was dropped? Because I, I'm still hyper-focused oh. on that because nobody talks about it. And that was the one about the Capitol, right? Right, exactly. I, it, it was, was either 7 or 12. I don't I remember. I think it was 7. So this one was quietly dropped. I mean, they said it, but it was quietly dropped. And... Um, it was basically saying that we basically it was basically a rejection of Christian nationalism, and it was really good, you know, mm. basically saying that we can't idolize a nation, that we need to be good citizens. It was a resolution on good citizenship, yeah. in a nation. It, and the final, the final uh, resolved was that you know we reject the events of, of the Capitol insurrection, right? And I was like, yes, this is what evangelicals need to say right now, yeah, and. Um, it just disappeared. They ran out of time, and they're like, yeah, we're going to drop this. Yeah, and they never brought it back up. I was sad about that. I want to get this trending maybe to, towards the next SBC or even before. Like, I mean, you know, and, and technically it's supposed it, – it already is supposed to come up at the next SBC. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, that was it was tabled till the next meeting. Okay. We have to wait a whole year for that. But how many other capital insurrections are we going to have before then? Well, I don't think that the SBC's <laughs> resolution is going to stop any. No, sort it's of not. But but, but but it is good to clarify that they don't uh, agree with it. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So because that's what re that's what resolutions are is is the SBC saying this is what we believe about this issue. So, anyway, I thought it was interesting because with all of these things, like 
it's deeply concerning to me that there were people who were opposed to a third-party investigation into allegations of sexual abuse. People who thought that was an overreach. Or thought it was, like, why? you should be completely okay with that. Like, that should not be an issue for anybody. Um, so that was kind of disturbing. But it was also encouraging that, like, that was a minority, I do believe. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. But it, they were still there. Um, and of the candidates, okay, there was... There was uh, candidates four there's only three that i really know anything about yeah <laughs> um and uh i really thought that al moeller he's been very influential in the southern baptist convention i, I really thought that he was going to get it and surprisingly he was not even in the top two contestants. He, he was in the top oh, three though yes he was in the yeah, top yeah. three that's because <laughs> i don't even know what the fourth guy's name was <laughs> he, and he don't, the fourth guy only got like 500 votes yeah <laughs> um and then there was mike stone who's super far Right and apparently has a track record of being very mean to he, people. He was the pick of the conservative Baptist network. Take the ship. Um, and then there's Ed Litton, who he's the moderate, is also conservative. You know, theologically, I mean, yeah, they're all conservative. It's it's the Southern Baptist Convention. Although those people accused him of being a great right. liberal. He was a part of like a coalition for racial reconciliation that he started in his community. Um, yeah. and so that makes him a liberal because yeah. he likes people who aren't white. Um, and he also allowed his wife to share the stage with him when he was doing a ma- a series on marriage. Yeah. Which means that he's okay with uh, women preachers. Which means he's a progressive. Which means liberal. he's a progressive he's, liberal. He's, he's what a freak! Um, thankfully, Ed Litton won. He was, in my opinion, the best of the four candidates, the yes. best option. Um, but it's 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 amazing that it's not a minority in the SBC right now. It's it it is a very large chunk of the SBC that's saying this guy's a leftist liberal and he's going to destroy our well, denomination. Well, there's still people attacking him on on Twitter if oh. you've seen. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, so recently there was a video that was released of a JD Greer sermon. Yeah. And then it follows up with an Ed Litton sermon that's almost identical, right? Yeah. Um and I do want to talk about that for a second because there's one thing I noticed that I haven't really heard people talking about that's really odd to me. So both J.D. Greer and Ed Litton released a statement on it, and J.D. Greer's like, he asked me permission to use this, and, you know, and Ed Litton's like, I asked him permission to use it, and I'm sorry that I didn't make that clear when I preached it. Okay, so you can talk about, should preachers be using other pastor sermons, whatever. He didn't steal it, okay? Yeah, he got permission. He got permission, so he just didn't do proper citing. Um, and some people are like, well, you can get kicked out of school for that, so... Uh, he shouldn't be allowed to be a pastor anymore. And I'm like, it's, it's a little different. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but to me, the weirdest part about it that no, I, I don't hear anybody talking about is J.D. Greer tells a story of him going to Nepal and some things that he felt God speak to him during that trip. Yeah. Ed Linton shares the same exact story the same exact scenario in Nepal with God communicating the same exact things, except he says that all of this happened to his friend Paul David Tripp. They they addressed that in their statement. Okay, because I did not see that. Because I'm like, wait, wait a second. Did that that part's weird? Yeah. Well, how was that addressed? Uh, they, I'm pretty sure it, 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 J.D. Greer addressed it in his statement, and from what I remember, um, J.D. Greer had that experience 
but his experience was inspired by Tripp's experience. And and the way he explains it is this is this is something that missionaries go through when they go overseas. Is they, they a lot of them experience the same kind of thing. And so that was his point is Jamie Greer. So they were both on the same trip? They were not both on the same trip, but they both experienced the same thing. Did it, did they both go to Nepal at least? I yeah, think, no, yeah, they, they both, both went, went to the to same Nepal. temple in Nepal. Yeah, but and they then both they got the same message from God. Essentially, is what yeah. they're it's saying. Just, yeah, bad. and I think J.D. Greer communicated that to Ed Litton when Ed Litton was asking for permission to use his, his message. So it's a little weird. There's a little. There's bit of some. There's definitely weirdness there. Yeah. I can't deny but that. But I, I would recommend to go. I'm pretty sure he he addressed it. J.D. Greer addressed it in his statement. Yeah, and, and regardless, I see some weirdness, but I also feel like there's a lot more important things to be talking about right yeah, now. Listen, and that's, you know, there's... If misciting anyway. one another and not getting your story straight is like... All pastors need crime. to throw in the towel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there. we're done. Um, no, I mean, I was even thinking about it as everybody was talking about this. I'm like, oh, there's probably some quotes that I've said in sermons before that I didn't like. You well, know, and I, I wonder about that now too. If that's a big issue, like, like I, but because sometimes I'll I'll footnote it in my notes, right? But I'm not going to read the footnote to the audience all the time. Maybe I'll quote like the person. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, just quote right um, on page 437 of you know, you know, go through the whole thing. You got to read the whole citation. Right. Um, but sometimes, sometimes it's not worth. Well, let me put it this way: there are people that I ad- admire that other people do not admire, mm. but they've said true things, right? Yeah. And so sometimes it's easier. I, I make sure I quote them and cite them in my notes. And so if anybody I went back and looked at my manuscript or whatever, um, but I'll just say a prominent pastor once said, or so I, I do genericize it sometimes. I don't know if genericize is a word. It's not, but, but I don't think that's wrong. <laughs> I, 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 no, I mean, it, it's, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll because you're at least s- saying I didn't come up with this, right? I'll, and that's... I'll let one of my secrets out of the bag here on the, uh, the old podcast, okay? Um, a lot of people don't like the message, right? Right. By, by Eugene Peterson. I think the message is great as a commentary. That's how I view it. Heretic. I, I have a confession to make as well. What? I used to not like the message. Well, I used to be really against the message. So I think I think all three of us did at one point. I was never against the message. I oh. just want to be on. Oh, okay. On oh, yeah, because you're the liberal heretic. <laughs> um, well, I, I I actually started with some of his other work, and he explains the story of the message and how he built it, and it just totally made sense. He built. He wrote like he, the first part of the message that he wrote was Philippians, and he did it for a Sunday school class for them to understand the vernacular that Paul was writing in. Um, like the the equivalent vernacular, so like his vernacular, how it translates to today's vernacular, et cetera, et cetera. But bottom line is, um, Eugene Peterson has written some commentaries. Um, so sometimes I'll say, as one as a as a prominent commentator would say, and I'll just quote the message <laughs> as as a re <laughs> as a re. Uh, and people eat it up. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know who's going to listen to this, but but I, yeah, you know, to me, it, the message functions as a commentary on more literal translations. Yeah, that that's basically what I've what I've come to is is man, I used to really really despise the message because I'm like it's not a true translation. Then I thought if it is, it it helps people. understand And he never the claimed point. it was. That was yeah. the thing. A lot of the publishers took and ran with it. 
and it became known as a translation. That was never Eugene Peterson's intent. His intent always was to help uh, people understand the, the the text better. That was the yeah. So it functions that way. All right, I have to go. I've got an important meeting, but you guys wrap it up. Don't say anything about me that I wouldn't say about myself. Okay. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, bye. He's almost out. He's almost out of the door. Goodbye. Hey, wait, wait, what time out. do you want to come back and set up our actual studio? 11-ish. All right, he's gone now. Let's talk about him. Johnny's a heretic. Johnny's dumb. Hey, so here's the deal. Um, we came in very unprepared, guns blazing. We're just we're just chatting. Ba, 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 ba. We're just chatting. But um, uh, I think overall, um, some good steps were made. It was a net positive. Yeah. Um, there's definitely concerns about the overall evangelical culture. And as I learn more about the history of the Southern Baptist Convention, I'm just like, man, we really gotta, we gotta stop setting up church structure in a way that's so tied in with political agendas and, and, and money-making schemes. My, Um, My concern was Ed Linton won. That was good. But he didn't win by a lot. No. He only won by, I think, like 500. And his opponent, Mike Stone, there's some weirdness there. Yeah. The fact that there's that many people yeah. who support Mike Stone, who is going on podcast after podcast now, just blasting Ed Litton yeah. and spewing all sorts of crazy stuff. I mean, and by- there's some claims that the election was stolen, <laughs> which sounds familiar. Mm. Um, the very nature of the Southern Baptist Convention is that we had we had net positive this year, but next year that could all be reversed, just by the very nature of what SBC does. You yeah. Know? Um, so we'll see what happens. So here's my question: I do think it's valuable to know about what's going on, and as people made the criticisms of Southern Baptists getting all the limelight in evangelical culture when it comes to secular news sources, it made me wonder. Is it valuable for us, even if we're not going to watch the full live stream of every single denomination or uh, conventions, you know, uh, annual uh, hodgepodge? Because mo- most denominations have something. You know, oh, yeah, you said yeah, the yeah. PCA is doing one right now. So yeah, they, yeah, uh, Assemblies of God has one. It, do you think it's valuable for Christians to at least, like, read a summary and, like, try and keep up with? I mean, because it's a lot, but try and keep up with all the the major mainline denominations. Because I kind of felt that challenge. I was like, eh, maybe I should keep up with what, what PCA is doing and what Methodists are doing and what, you know. Yeah, at least all the big denominations. And, like, for for example, Presbyterianism, if you were to, to look into any Presbyterian denomination, the PCA would be the one to look into because they are the largest conservative Presbyterian denomination in America. And know? then PCUSA is the... Other one, right? Yeah, the PCUSA is the liberal Presbyterian denomination, liberal. and so we are. We already know where they stand on things. I, I don't, I don't care what they do. They do whatever. Um, but, but it, it is. I think it's important to just be aware. It's like, it's like watching normal news. Like it's just good to watch. It's good to be informed about what's happening in the world, in our country, and why not that be the same uh, with our Amer- uh, these various American denominations? Yeah, no, I, I, I want to do better at that, because I, I definitely grew up in a little bit of a Southern Baptist microcosm, and it's like, you know, it's probably good to 
to keep up with what's going on, you know? And and the internet is very useful for that. Um, so I'm, I'm often reminded of stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Or, oh, I didn't know that, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's good to keep up with that kind of stuff, the religious news in America. Yeah. And particularly, like... I was about to call it the SPC denomination, but a a group like the SPC, uh, because lots they are of the people largest. call it a denomination, Ryan. And it's fine. It's fine to think of it as a denomination, but just it's a technicality. So, what denomination are Southern Baptist churches? They, I guess, they're non-denominational. In a way, in a in a way, technically speaking, I guess they are. They follow the Baptist tradition because being Baptist is not a denomination. Being a Baptist is a tradition. Just like Presbyterianism is a tradition, or Methodism is a tradition, but being part of the United Methodist Church is being part of the denomination. Being part of the ARP is being part of the Associate Reformed Presbyterian denomination. So being a part of the Southern Baptist Convention, look, they just call it a convention because they wanted everything to be like a business. I know, which I cringe at. Yeah. I mean, is there not? I mean, there was a lot of uh, bureaucracy and. Oh yeah. It was weird. Not not to say that like the structure of I mean, Presbyterian denominations and stuff like that aren't organized because they are. But and like, le- and, and I'll be honest here, the SBC annual meeting that was a well-oiled machine. Yeah, and well, and I think that was part of the allure for me when I was younger is like going to the Florida Baptist Convention and seeing some of these things. Is like I was just like, man, like this is really well done. Because yeah. I mean. It is. Yep. And I got a lot of free pens. Yep, you always got to go for the free pens. One of them had a flashlight. And, yeah, you might even get lucky, get one with a flashlight. I've never been that lucky. So, net positive, send us your questions. We want to answer them. Yeah. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, yeet.